Okay, good morning. There we go. Uh, good to have you here this morning as we continue our study in the life of Christ. Uh, we are in lesson 49 uh, this morning, so we've almost made it to number 50. And so that's been quite an accomplishment as we've uh, gone through uh, Christ's, uh, really, you know, his, the, that period of three years that the Gospels really focus on. Um, from the beginning of his ministry until his death. And so we're smack dab in the middle of it. Again, we're in lesson number 49 uh, this morning. Uh, but if you were with us on Wednesday evening, we looked at uh, Jesus, the lesson where he refers to himself as the bread of life. You know, he had just gotten done feeding the 5,000 uh, with the bread and the fish, and uh, he sends his disciples away. Uh, he also... Um, goes up on a mountain to pray, and then he uh, appears to them walking on the water. I think that's what we covered uh, a week ago, uh, Jesus walking on the water. And uh, they get to the, uh, the western side of the Sea of Galilee, and, uh, and now, uh, you know, the people are looking for Jesus again. They're looking for him. Uh, of course, they, uh, the crowds want some more of Jesus. You know, Jesus just fed them. They, they want some more of that physical uh, nourishment, so they're seeking Jesus and uh, we, we saw many questions asked uh, in that uh, chapter, in John chapter 6. Uh, we see the crowds uh, asking Jesus' questions. Uh, we see the Jews. Uh, we see the disciples. And then finally, uh, dealing with the apostles. But really, the, the theme of uh, those questions, or what Jesus was talking to them about, was belief. You know, he said, I am the bread of life. Um, and then he told them some statements that were a little hard for them to hear. You know, when, when he said, uh, you needed to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You know, and they, they just couldn't uh, understand. They couldn't wrap their minds around what he was referring to. Uh, not that he was speaking physically, but of course he was speech, speaking spiritually. And he told us a couple of times what, you know, what that meant. In John chapter 6, uh, he told us that uh, eternal life is for those who believe. And he also told us eternal life is for those, again, who uh, eat his flesh and drink his blood. And so if we you know, combine those two together, uh, eating his flesh, drinking his blood is the same thing as uh, believing and receiving eternal life. And so, uh, but even the disciples of Jesus had trouble with that statement, uh, with, that, with those statements. It said in uh, verse 66, it even said that many of the disciples stopped following Jesus that day. Uh, they were... Again, they were turned off. They, uh, uh, their minds were set on the physical. Uh, again, not thinking spiritually. And uh, Jesus... Well, it also appears that we're told that Judas... It appears that Judas, uh, maybe from that time forward, also uh, left Jesus. Uh, or decided uh, to no longer follow him that day as well. But of course, then he asks uh, his apostles... Uh, do you want to go too? And of course, Peter says, where would we go? Right? You are the ones, you are the one with eternal life or the words of life. And so uh, that's where we were Wednesday evening. And now we're continuing on in our uh, class. Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 7 this morning for the most part. In Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 1, where Jesus is going to deal with traditions. Uh, the traditions of the elders of the Jewish people. So, uh, let me ask this as we begin. Are traditions a good thing? Are they a bad thing? Or a little bit of both? Okay, it depends on the context, right? 
It depends on the context. And so uh, Jesus has touched on this before, but really not to this extent that we're going to see here uh, this morning. Uh, but we, there are a lot of traditions out there. You know, we went to a baseball game the other night, you know, and there's a lot of tradition in baseball. You know, if your team's down by a couple of runs late in the innings, you know, you put on your rally hat, right? You take your hat and flip it inside out and put it on. And, you know, that's sort of a tradition. You know, eating sunflower seeds is a tradition of baseball players. Uh, you know, they have those unspoken rules, right? That if, uh, you know, you plunk one of their best players, they're probably going to plunk one of your best players. Or, uh, you know, if someone's, got a, if someone's pitching a no-hitter late into the game, nobody talk about it, right? Because if you talk about it, you're going to jinx them. You know, there, there's these traditions that uh, we see in baseball, we see in all aspects of life, and we have traditions as well in the church, do we not? Uh, can, can we just, uh, we're going to talk about this more extensively a little bit later, but can we name some just off the top of our head of traditions uh, that we have in the church? I'm thinking... Uh, Okay, so the, the order of worship, right, is a tradition, right? Some churches, uh, you know, have a standard, you know, two songs and a prayer or three songs and a prayer, one song and a prayer. You know, the, it's, a, it's a traditional way that they uh, start off every single service, whether they have the Lord's Supper before the sermon or after the sermon. You know, those are traditions. Uh, those are things that are, are not set in stone, again, but they're traditions. There are traditions in the church. And so we'll talk about that a little bit uh, more as we go on. But um, uh, at the end of John chapter 6, when we, or if we were to move into John chapter 7, verse 1, uh, it says the Jews at that time started to seek to kill Jesus. You know, again, after he uh, gave that, that speech, that discourse about him being the bread of life. Uh, I am the bread of life. I forgot to mention, you know, when he said, I am the bread of life, he's basically uh, pointing to himself as God in the flesh, as deity. I am. That was a big statement. To you and I, it just seems like he's comparing himself to bread, but he's saying, I am uh, the bread of life. I am uh, God. And so uh, the Jews at that time were seeking to kill him. And so we get back here to Mark chapter 7, uh, the, what happens directly after that. And uh, the people, uh, these are the people that he are going to deal with uh, from this point forward are, you know, really the, the, the Jews, uh, particularly the Pharisees and the scribes. And that's, um, you know, that's who Jesus is going to deal with in this account. You know, we can kind of picture ourselves, uh, if we want to, of uh, this great crowd of people and the Pharisees and scribes sort of pushing their way uh, to get to him and, you know, forcing their questions upon him. Uh, from the lessons that we've, you know, looked at already, you know, th there have been attempts to, um, you know, get Jesus. There have been attempts to try and trick him. And what do those usually, what do most of those usually revolve around? Sabbath day. Yeah, exactly. It was the Sabbath day. Those miracles he was performing on the Sabbath day. You know, that's where they were trying to get him, you know, because they, uh, the Pharisees, uh, you know, they had those rules, those hedge laws that we're going to talk about a little bit more today of, you know, that, that they weren't to do certain things on the Sabbath day. 
And so that's where they tried to trap Jesus before. Uh, they couldn't get to him, and so now they're going to try a different uh, tactic. Now they're going to uh, go after him in another way. So let's, let's read the first few verses of Mark chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 1, and we'll set the stage here. So it says, uh, The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him when they had come from Jerusalem and had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? So again, you know, you can kind of imagine uh, the, uh, the Pharisees, you know, pushing their way through this crowd, getting to Jesus, uh, accusing him and his disciples of doing this. Um, you know, again, let's not forget their attitude towards him. Um, you know, they're very volatile against him. And uh, what were his disciples doing wrong, according to them? All right, they were eating with unwashed hands. Now, is that like telling a child, you know, hey, it's dinner time, go wash your hands and come back to the dinner table? Is that what, you know, is that kind of the, the thought behind this? No, it's, it's much more complex than that. Uh, you know, when the Jews, uh, you know, when they would go out into... Uh, and he, he mentions there in uh, verse 4, you know, when they go out into the marketplace, when they go out into society, you know, they might accidentally uh, bump into someone or something that was unclean, right? A Gentile would be unclean to them. And so they, uh, over time, built these traditions, right, uh, the tradition of their elders, that they would have pretty much these big, elaborate type of uh, washing of hands type ceremonies um, so that, uh, again, so that they wouldn't, you know, get the quote-unquote cooties from uh, the Gentile people that they would uh, run into. And maybe we should have started with this, but what is a tradition? What's a simple definition of a tradition? Something that's done over and over again the same way. Okay, something that's done over and over again the same way. Um, year after year. Year after year. Passed down from generation to generation. And that's really what the Greek word implies. Uh, para uh, dosis. Para means alongside of. And dosis means uh, to give or to transfer. And so basically you're transferring or uh, something alongside of. Um, you're handing something down. Now again, uh, the first question I asked was, are traditions good, bad, or you know, maybe somewhere in the middle, and that's sort of where we pointed to. You know, we uh, can see uh, scriptures in, or there are some scriptures that talk about traditions uh, being important, being something handed down from God. First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Paul says, Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Paul says, you know, I gave you some traditions, 
uh, and you're following those things. Uh, these, these, of course, are things that are not uh, Paul made, but they're uh, from heaven. They're from God. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, we also have another passage that's very similar. Paul writes here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse uh, 15. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. And then in chapter 3, verse 6, uh, Paul writes, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you receive from us. So we have, uh, you know, tradition in Scripture being used as something that was handed down by God. You know, this is the tradition uh, that we want to follow, right? Um, but then a Scripture also uses tradition sort of in uh, the other way of being uh, handed down by man. Uh, that's what we have here in Mark chapter 7. Uh, Matthew chapter 15 so the same account, but we're going to say here in Mark. Uh, Galatians chapter 1, Paul writes in verse, verse 14, uh, that he was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Uh, here he's, you know, he's comparing his ancestral traditions of being brought up in the Jewish uh, culture versus him becoming a, a Christian. And also Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul again uh, mentions this word tradition, saying... See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. Okay, so uh, traditions from God, good, right? Traditions of men, uh, we're going to learn, are something that we ought not to bind on each other. And so uh, back here in Mark chapter 7, we are discussing uh, these, uh, the Pharisees, the scribes, saying, hey, listen, Jesus, you and your disciples are not following the tradition of the elders. Uh, these, were, these elders were, you know, these experts in the Jewish law. You know, those, uh, again, that's what we, believe, or what we think of as Pharisees, but even further back. And, um, you know, Jewish teachers or rabbis, they, you know, would come up with what, you know, we refer to as oral law. Or oral tradition, where um, you know if a rabbi said something uh, to the Jewish people, it was it, it could be um, pretty important. It could be even binding. And they actually wrote a lot of these down. Have you ever heard of the Mishnah? Uh, the Mishnah is uh, one of the the Jewish books of oral traditions that they've written down and they study and follow. And uh, and so. But they consider some of these traditions being more binding than, you know, the law of Moses itself. And these traditions were considered a hedge around uh, the law. Um, you know, what if you, well, maybe think about it this way, you know, what if you never violated a tradition, uh, a tradition of their elders? Well, if you never violated the tradition of the elders, then you would have never came close to violating the law. You see, and that sort of was their thinking, was that if we put a hedge, you know, around the law of Moses, then we're not going to um, violate, you know, the law of Moses. But then those hedges that they built uh, to protect the law of Moses started to become um, binding, started to become 
a series to them. It started to become a tradition. I was trying to think of some, uh, you know, like a, a good way to illustrate that. Uh, I, I didn't come up with a great one, but the example I had was, you know, if, uh, if I told my kids that I am uh, cooking dinner a Friday night, so, you know, don't touch the oven, you know, I'm going to be using the oven Friday night, that would be a law. But maybe my wife says to the kids, you know, don't even come in the kitchen on Friday. Right? Don't even step foot in the kitchen on Friday. She's hedging, you know, my law. She's putting uh, a law around my law so that, uh, you know, again, my law doesn't get violated. I know it's not the best example, but uh, hopefully that makes sense that, uh, you know, she's trying her best to not have the kids violate my law. So she makes another one that's hedging around it. And this, uh, these things became tradition. The Pharisees did this all the time, we're told. Uh, well, I think we'll get to those verses a little bit later. But they were, they were great at this, Jesus said, of making these hedge laws. You know, of course, what they're referring to is back in the old law, uh, back in the book of Leviticus, chapters 11 through 15, and also in Numbers chapter 19, is that you know, God had given them these laws of things that uh, were unclean. Right, things that they shouldn't touch, uh, that they shouldn't be around. Do you remember what some of those were? Okay, yeah, leprosy was a huge one, right? Uh, uh, people who had leprosy, they were to, uh, you know, put them outside the camp. They were to take, you know, their clothing and burn it and, and anything's... Uh, like that, and so leprosy that that was a huge thing. You know, obviously the the first thing that comes to my mind is the animals. Right, there were certain unclean animals, uh, such as pigs. You know, that they were not to um, eat uh, anything dealing with blood. Right, they were not to uh, touch uh, dead bodies. They were not to touch, and if they were, if they touched these things, you know, uh, they were considered for a time being unclean until they went through that process of, um, of cleansing themselves from the uncleanness. Now, when you read through those passages, Le Leviticus 11 through 15, Numbers chapter 19, and actually Numbers 19 is a, a very fascinating chapter because it, it talks about how to basically comes up with this, uh, um, the antidote for antibacterial soap. You know, they didn't know about that when they were uh, doing that back there, back in those days, but actually God gave them sort of the recipe of making soap in, in Numbers chapter 19. So that's a whole fascinating thing in of itself. But uh, the point is, is that nowhere in those chapters will you find uh, this rule about washing your hands, washing these pots. Uh, you know, uh, these, again, these were hedges that the Pharisees, that the elders made on these laws so that you know, the people would not violate those things. And so every time you came back from the market, you were to do this elaborate washing. Um, it's just so that you make sure that just in case you touch something unclean, uh, that you would take care of it there. And so is there anything wrong with washing uh, your hands before eating bread? No, there's nothing wrong with it. But where it's wrong is when these uh, Pharisees are trying to bind this on Jesus and the disciples, right? They're, they're making it a law, a tradition, uh, that you have to do this. 
And so uh, let's read how Jesus responds to them in verses 6 through 13 in Mark chapter 7. So uh, Jesus said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy to you, hypocrite, as it is written, The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, You are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you is Corban, that is to say, given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as that. So Jesus, you know, he doesn't even uh, attempt to uh, take on their, um, their uh, statement towards him. You know, he just goes from, uh, prophes- or from quoting scripture from Isaiah, um, saying, you know, you're fulfilling this prophecy that uh, you're honoring me with your lips, but, or honoring God with your lips, but your hearts are far from him. You're vainly worshiping uh, him as well because of these traditions. Uh, and so what does he do? Uh, he gives them a specific example of how they are uh, being hypocrites at this time. Right? He gives them a specific example. So what were they doing that was violating God's law? Okay. Well, what specifically that we just read that uh, he gave an example of what something that they were doing that was um, in violation of God's law. Apparently, they weren't taking care of their parents. Right. Uh, you know, they had some money that, you know, they dedicated to God. You know, whenever uh, they would die, and you know, the, the, that whatever they had dedicated to God would be given to the temple, uh, would be given to, the, given to the synagogue. It was a gift, an offering. Uh, you know, he uses the word Corbin here. And... Uh, apparently, you know, because, you know, they had this, um, you know, pocket of money over here that was given to God, they couldn't use that to, you know, help mother and father. And so, uh, you know, Jesus, because, because they vowed it, they vowed it and they can't break a vow. And so now they can't help mother and father. And so Jesus calling them out on that, right? He says that, uh, you know, you are keeping these traditions uh, that were man-made, right, to a T, but God's law to honor father and mother, you know, you're not keeping, uh, he says here. And so was this the, now this was the example that God gave, or excuse me, that Jesus gave. Was this the only command of God that they were neglecting, do you think? No. No. Uh, because, yeah, because exactly, because Jesus said there in verse 9, he said, you guys are experts at setting aside the commandments of God. Or in verse 13, uh, you do many things such as this, right? So there are a lot of things that they were um, building, uh, the, again, they were focusing in on their traditions rather than uh, God's law. So, um, so again, let, let's, with our few moments left here, let's think about 
traditions. You know, when are traditions bad? When are traditions bad? Okay, yeah, we got the same answer there. When they contradict uh, or when they violate Christ's law, right? I think that's the, you know, the number one thing that comes to our mind is that when they violate Christ's law, you know, that's when a tradition, uh, of course, is not from God because it must be from man because it's violating God's law. Um, but also uh, when, you know, uh, what's another way that traditions uh, can be bad? Okay, yeah, so when we, uh, when we bind them on other people, when we force them on other people. So again, let's think of some traditions that are, uh, you know, that are prevalent in the church today. Um, you know, uh, songbooks, right? Songbooks or uh, using a projector. You know, that's, that's our tradition, to use uh, these aids in uh, singing hymns. Uh, we don't have to use songbooks. Uh, we don't have to uh, put PowerPoint uh, songs up there, but we do because, you know, that's how we traditionally hold our singing service, right? Again, communion, uh, whether it's, you know, passing trays or using these little individual cups, you know, that's, uh, that's the choice of, uh, you know, of the local body. That's the tradition that they use, right? And probably for the longest time, we passed those trays around. Right? But then when COVID happened, we had to switch things up and we had to change our tradition. And so for the past uh, couple of years, we've been using these, you know, these little um, uh, juice and, and bread cups. Uh, again, we, we mentioned earlier the, the, the order of worship. Again, there are some that believe that you know, worship has to begin with you know, two songs and a prayer. But of course, again, that's a traditional thing. We might have been doing it so long that some people think that that's really, you know, how it's supposed to work. Um, but obviously, I know we, we, we're pretty good at mixing things up like that. You know, we, sometimes we'll sing one song in a prayer. Sometimes we'll have two songs in a prayer or three songs in a prayer. And that just really is reflective of us understanding that that's a tradition. That's nothing that we're going to bind on people and say that's how you have to do it. Uh, Okay, yeah, so, so, yeah, so that, you know, that's a tradition that, you know, they might take it a, a step further and say, okay, we're going to bind this, right, that, that you have to drink from the one cup. And what Danny's referring to is that there are some, you know, congregations that uh, practice um, the, you know, the, the communion, the Lord's Supper table of, you know, you, you have to all share the same cup. Or you all have to all share the same loaf of, of bread. And so uh, there are some congregations that, that bind that on the, those that, you know, that, that worship there. And that they believe that that is, um, you know, uh, something that, that, that God has commanded. Um, now, I don't know if we're going to get to this or not. But, you know, one of the, the, the way that we understand if something is a tradition versus, you know, God's word is... Do we, do we have a thus saith the Lord for it? You know, do we have, uh, did heaven command that? And of course, I think, uh, you know, we understand that when we search the scriptures, we don't find, 
a binding example that we have to share the same cup or that we have to share the same loaf of bread. And so uh, that's, their, that's a tradition that, you know, that they have maybe taken a step further and, and, and tried to bind it on others. And that's what we need to be careful and weary of doing. You know, we, we have a fourth Sunday potlucks now. You know, that's a tradition of this congregation. Uh, but again, we're not going to bind that on people that say that you have to have a four Sunday uh, potluck or anything like that. So uh, traditions, of course, they're bad when they violate God's law and they're bad when uh, we bind them on others. And then notice, let, let's finish off reading these verses because Jesus is going to point that uh, they're bad when they take on uh, undue significance. So in verse 14, uh, it says, after he called the crowd uh, to him again, he began saying to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him, but the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about this parable, and he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceeds the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride and foolishness. All these, thing, all these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. All right, so Jesus is really getting the point home is that, you know, the, the Pharisees um, claim that he's violating the traditions of the elders is illo Ill illogical. Right? It doesn't make sense, right? Because, um, you know, it said there in that verse... Uh, uh, 19 that thus he declared all foods clean you know we know that it's not really until the book of acts where you know peter you know sees the sheet coming down from heaven he has that dream where uh you know they really make that declaration that the jews are no longer under that food restriction you know but you know jesus is saying listen it's not the food that you put into your mouth that is defiling you because that's simply going into your stomach and then you eliminate it later but he says it's what comes from the heart of man that's what is going to uh, defile a person. Uh, and so when we bind tradition, um, when, we're, when we're binding traditions, we're making them as important as God and as God's law. Um, when we think of the word tradition, when we think of the word tradition, what do you usually think of? Besides, you know, passing down. Uh, sort of the definition that we looked at. I think it's family. Okay. A family and holidays. holidays. Okay. Yeah. So um, do we, have we seen that, you know, sort of that word tradition has been under attack, you know, really uh, recently? Uh, you, you know, uh, some of us, might, maybe one of the first things that came to your mind was, you know, uh, it's been around for a while. It's old. It's, it's outdated. You know, we, we, you, might, you might have driven past the church, and they'll say out on their marquee, you know, uh, traditional services at 10, contemporary service at 11. 
You know, and so they're making the distinction that you know, we're going to do things the old-fashioned way at 10 a.m., you know, and at 11 a.m., we're going to make it a, you know, a little bit more ruckus, a little bit more entertaining. You know, uh, unfortunately, that's even crept into the church. And you know, there are some churches that have, uh, you know, Christ's churches that have been doing that as well. Uh, the family, right? The traditional family, the, the nuclear family, you know, the, uh, the family in Scripture. You know, the husband and wife and the children, you know, that's been under attack here uh, recently as well. Uh, but we don't need to claim that all action are traditions just because uh, they have been done for a while, really. And when it all boils down to, and I know I'm running out of time quickly, when it all boils down to is that, uh, did it come from man or did it come from heaven? Right? Uh, one more verse I want to look at, Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 19. <clears throat> Matthew 16, verse 19 you know, this is when Peter makes that great confession and Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Right? So God, had, God has bound things in heaven. Right? His, his word, his laws, those have been bound in heaven and, uh, and those are the traditions that we want to follow. Right? Those are the things that God passed down to the apostles, to Paul and Peter and so forth and then they taught the people and those are the traditions that we want to follow. And it's the man-made traditions that although we have those, and they can be good at some times, uh, we can't bind you know, those man-made traditions. You know, the, at one time, you know, this congregation had pews, right? I've seen pictures of them. I think they were kind of greenish color, right? And, uh, and at some point, the, it was made, it was decided that we were going to replace those with these padded chairs. Right? A, a tradition, right? Uh, it's not something bound in Scripture, but it's, a, it's an opinion. And so um, those things happen from time to time. Uh, I love this one thing that, um, this one quote that uh, we often say. It says, in matters of faith, unity. In matter, matters of opinion, liberty. But in all things, charity. Have you heard that before? I'll say it again. In, all, in matters of faith, unity. In matters of opinion, liberty. In all things, charity. And so again, it's important to understand, you know, what is what has been handed down. What traditions do we have from God versus, you know, what traditions are from man? And just make sure that we're not like the Pharisees and trying to bind those uh, those man-made traditions uh, on others. And so, uh, appreciate uh, your attention this morning. Uh, Wednesday, we will move on in Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 37, and we'll look at when Jesus withdraws uh, from Herod's territory. And so, uh